Welcome to Stop Killing Deals and the second highlight reel on the topic of exploring yourself. The Stop Killing Deals webinar and podcast series was built around exploring four main areas that affect sales performance. You, connecting with others, systems and structure, as well as vision and direction. On this episode, we're focusing on cognitive biases and coaching. We have clips from my interviews with Howard Brown, Keith Rosen, and Shell Ian Hogger. There are some real golden nuggets in these clips. So I will stop talking now so that we can jump right in. Howard Brown is a clinical psychologist turned into a tech entrepreneur. We reflected on the topic of cognitive biases. And one thing that Howard shared is how people really don't like to change. Even people who come to therapy and have identified a big problem for them, they really want to change it, but still struggle and fear change. And in selling, Howard shared that rather than projecting what you think your customer needs, you need to listen and understand what they are telling themselves about their situation. Because only then can you help them to craft a better version of themselves and their situation. Let's listen to some of the highlights from Howard. That complexity creates the problems we're trying to avoid. For example, your body has an immune response to something that's being introduced into it. Um, you may get sick. Your allergies may take hold. You produce um, a, a, a reaction to that to try and fight it off, but the reaction is too strong. And by doing that, you actually become more ill. You have inflammation. You have all of those sorts of problems. Same thing with cognitive biases. Your heuristics are at work to try and make quick decisions, decrease the load on your brain. Um, but then you're stuck with, wait a minute, I'm pattern recognizing. I'm trying to I'm trying to come to quick decisions, but lo and behold, that intuition that we think is supposed to come to a better decision, in fact, acts against us in many cases. So the that's supposed to help us problem solve, come to quick um, answers, in fact, is no more relevant than collecting data, taking some time, and then coming to more well, better decision. I have an idea in mind. I have the answer and I start looking for data to prove I'm correct. I think yeah. that's probably the most, um, most used or certainly most recognized. Well, look, I think at the end of the day, people like to be right uh -huh. and, and they don't like to be wrong. And I think a lot of this, um, a lot of the biases have to do with and sort of supporting our ego and and trying to avoid pain or change or uncertainty and you know as a as a rep as a manager as a leader you're trying to constantly look to improve yourself and your team and the most important thing to do is sort of introspection right try to understand who you are try to understand what your biases are that certainly is 
something we all need to do. One of the beauties of Ring DNA and why I really got into the idea of recording calls, analyzing calls, and demonstrations was as a therapist, one of the most powerful tools we had was in my early days, my supervisor would videotape my sessions. Yeah. I would then watch myself and how I behaved during a session with a client. And I was able to discover I twitches when certain material came up. I would project into the client. I, I would do all of these things. And what I realized was the ability to sort of analyze oneself, to have somebody you trust also looking at that game film with you, pointing out things, not in a way of shaming you, but really pointing out patterns that you have and trying to be helpful. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of coach or leader that is disarming is able to also use examples of when they may have done that is what really helps sales reps, managers, individual contributors. It helps everybody. And I think it helps us as people. Or is this a threat? Um, is the person coming across as too intellectual and I, I may not be able to relate, I'll feel stupid. All of those sort of things are in play. And as a sales rep, you have that moment. And that moment is so important to make that connection. So if you're on Zoom, look the person in the eye. You know, relate to that person. Ask the person open questions so that they don't feel you as a threat. Because if my bias turns on immediately, it's really hard. Once that, once you've made that choice, you're done. Just the most trivial, ridiculous things and not get into the depth. And why is that? Because a lot of times a rep will have these grand ideas and they're selling a platform or something really complicated. And they're talking to somebody who is stuck on the most trivial piece of data. Yeah. And they keep just going, like, it doesn't matter. That's an example yeah. of a bias that your buyer has. And you need to address it. Okay, this is, this is the issue. I understand it's really important to you. But if I go over it like it's just trivial to me, yeah. I'm not connected. People don't want to change as much and want to change if they see a tremendous value in change, right? So people come into therapy and they start with identified issue. My husband's the problem. My wife is mm -hmm. the problem. My children are driving me to I, I drink too much. She yells at me, whatever. It, that, that is the identified problem they present with. So they mm -hmm. present with that problem and it's usually anybody else or somebody's yeah. pushed them into therapy. If you start with saying, Listen, you have to change everything about everything you do to be a better husband, to be a better wife. What, that's not going to work. You, you have to sort of meet your patient. You have to meet your prospect where they are. If you just blow by them and we're going to change everything about your business and we're going to change everything about how you what you do, that immediately is a threat and it's an overwhelming threat. So Rather than projecting what you think your client or your customer needs, you need to spend time listening to them. You need to ask questions. You need to find out where they come from. You need to understand the narrative, what they're telling themselves about their situation. So then and only then can you help them craft a better version of themselves. Because if I buy something, it means I have to change. 
If I yeah. change something, that could create a problem. <clears throat> I have to see enough. Everybody is not the same. Certain patterns, but you have to understand that individual. And then you can talk to them. And then you can help influence change. And I think that, whether it's therapy, whether it's a buyer, whether it's any relationship, open-ended questions, understand the situation that people are in, what their biases are, help them to see their own biases, help them to see the desired state, but it needs to be about their process and their timeline. There is a structure that, that, that reps need to follow, which is there's a problem, it needs to be solved, right? You need to understand that from the prospect or customer's perspective. Yep. You try to solve it before doing something, maybe your current solution, maybe a previous solution that, that hasn't worked. You failed with that. You have a solution or approach that has worked, that has solved that problem for a bunch of other customers, names you know, people who are successful. This is where the process of talking about t customer testimonials, having case studies, Having valid proof, it, we're no longer about tell me about something. We're a show me society. So show me the proof. And by doing that, that's how you help influence change. So Ring DNA looks at every part of the sales process. So whether it's a phone call, an email, an SMS message, we've recorded over 200 million phone calls and then applied learning models and artificial intelligence to actually surface those very moments. So surface moments where the rep is in fact not asking enough open-ended questions. They're talking over the customer. They're not using those opening lines that we know are so successful. They're not asking the right questions at the right time. They're, we, we've applied things from attention bias to ambiguity of foundation bias projection bias, all of those are built into the tool and we surface those so that the rep can then receive the coaching, the managers can look at it, they can see where in fact they did that or they missed that. That's the whole point of it. On the topic of coaching, I spoke with Shell Ian Hogger, one of my absolute favorite teachers. Shell is one of those people with the ability to tell a story in a way that keeps an entire stadium on his toes. One of his classic stories is the one about the ice cream boomerang, which highlights a fun and very useful coaching tactic. His NOPRA fun model is simply brilliant in its simplicity and will help you think about how to coach people towards and through change. Let's listen to some of Shell's wisdom, shall we? Most people actually, correct me if I'm wrong, go back and they say it was better before. It was better before when I laid on my sofa instead of running around like ding dong, or it was better when I could eat what I wanted, or I, you know, why? Yes. This is a good question. And I saw a, a study they did, and they said actually that 90% of all your goals privately, we are failing. And if that's true, that we are failing 90%, my question is, why? Because usually, sometimes we know what we want, we know how to do it, but we don't do it. Or right. I know what I should not do, but I do it anyways. And here it comes, is it the logic or is it more emotional? What is right. it that happens? What I heard is that how does the brain know what is most important for me? 
it is the thing that has is most attached to a, a strong emotion. Uh-huh. That means that if my outcome has a stronger emotion than my past, so to speak, then yeah. I continue the journey. Okay. If the past has a stronger emotion attached to it, I quit. Yeah. And that means that we need new resources, both for ourselves to motivate ourselves the journey. Just by that, I worked in 1990, 30 years ago, with, with 28 girls that were supposed to be number one in the world in golf on the ladies' side. Yeah. And at that time, they were ranked number 24. Okay. And when I started to listen how they follow up each golf round, they actually created anxiety and okay. depression instead of that they sort of got pepped and stronger and fit from their follow-up. And I think that is a very key denominator how you excel in this sort of not-profan model. It's an, an, an acronym of now, outcome, problem, resources, action, and follow-up now, the not-profan model. One trick of actually uh, getting outside, I was thinking of now, of yourself. Uh-huh. If I tell you if, if a story, I. I have three kids, and many years ago, I had imitated my father uh, in terms of driving a car. He usually beat records, you know. He looked at his walk, <laughs> okay. off he went. And I thought that was the way you actually are driving a car. And, and uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I'm driving very fast. And my, I know my family, or many people have commented on this. And they say, you drive so fast. And, and I thought, actually, that was a, a compliment. So I said, yeah, I know. You know, I was really happy. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't understand anything, you know. However, at this particular moment, uh, it was the first day of my vacation uh, uh-huh. in the summer, and, and and I had three kids in the back seat. My wife locked on the side, and we were driving. And as my father had done, I had decided, measured distance, average speed, yeah. calculated it should take two hours ten minutes. And I love that because <laughs> if I get there in. Two hours, nine minutes, I break the record and I'm happy the whole summer. No one knows why, but, you know, <laughs> it's called imitation or, or modeling or, or yeah. Mm-hmm. So off I went. First day, everybody on vacation, everybody's happy, came to the closest city. And on when we're driving towards the city, my oldest daughter at that time, seven years old, she's Victoria, and she goes, Dad, and I say, yeah. And she goes, can we have an ice cream? And I checked my watch and it was going to, you know, kill my time so I no you know just came out you know very brutally so the atmosphere was sort of gone in the car and no one said anything for a long time and and after a while she came back with same happy tonality and she goes okay dad now we know we cannot have an ice cream Uh but if we could have one which particular type could we have and what happened at that time is that I wish I see like a hallucination, you know, vanilla ice cream, chocolate ice cream, and I love ice cream. In the next city, I stopped and bought ice cream. And I went up to my wife and said, what does she do? She's manipulating me. <laughs> and she has done this for many years because I felt the feeling. And, and when I drove away from there, I started to think, this is a fantastic way of doing it. What is it that she's doing? And I called the concept an ice cream boomerang. What an ice cream boomerang actually stands for is the, the, the weapon the aborigines in Australia have. You, mm-hmm. yeah. you throw it out, out in one direction, it comes back in a different. And that is how I felt it. Yeah. Uh, so this is just my made up story of this ice cream boomerang it has three components 
Okay. First one is very important. You repeat exactly what someone else say, your customer mm-hmm. or your wife or husband, whatever, or yourself. Because that shows that you're listening. So be very attentive when someone is talking. Coaching is very much about repeating what people say. Yeah. Because I believe they have their answers themselves. However, yeah. so when she says, we know we cannot have an ice cream, mm-hmm. she's actually coming. She's starting with the problem. Yeah. She had said to the resources and said, I want an ice cream. I should, I should just have rejected. Yeah. But coaching, coach means bus. That means we have a bus stop. She comes to my bus stop where the problem is. And she says, we know we cannot have an ice cream. Yep. What do you think happens in me? I say, yep, you're right. Mm-hmm. So my guard goes down. Then she goes to step two. But if we could have an ice cream, where is she now in an opera fund model? She goes from the problem straight to the outcome. Yeah. That means Children never lose sight of what they want. They are the best salespeople in the world, (laughs) in my opinion. Very irritating for parents. However, she starts by, I know we cannot have an ice cream. That is why this is red. As soon as you say, but if, but actually removes the things that has been. And if is in the future, Uh we could have one. Then she asks the question, says, what type could we have? Yeah. With that question, I couldn't, we cannot resist answering questions. So coaching is very much about how you ask questions. Mm. Now she gets to me, what particular type could we have? Uh, many years ago, I coached a, a golfer. His name is Sir Nick Faldo. Faldo had yeah. been the best in the world in the beginning of the 90s. And uh, something happened. He didn't know what. Dropped 400, you know, down the ranking. Wow. Yeah. He called me up and I went to the US and, and I came straight from the airport by a taxi and he was staying on a driving ranch and warming up in uh-huh. just before the tournament. And what happened was that what my job is, because I'm a professional golfer uh, since many years, he knows that I'm checking what is the difference that makes the difference. And I start mm-hmm. by his posture because if the shoulders are sloping, you lose balance and okay. then you compensate with techniques. So I yeah. start with balance his eyes, you know, pupils, everything. Uh-huh. And after a while, he says, do you see what it is? And I said, no. And he hits a couple of more and he says, do you see what it is? And I said, no. And I think he got irritated and said, <laughs> don't you see what it is? And I said, no. You know, every shot, you have exactly the same angle. Everything is similar. No okay. one better, no one worse. Humor. And if I don't know, maybe he knows. Yeah. So I said, what do you think it is? And then he goes, don't you see how short I'm hitting? This is the longest course with the longest holes, and I'm hitting short. Okay. If you were his coach, where would you go in an opera fund? Should I agree and say, yeah, very short. Maybe the shortest I've seen in my whole world. You <laughs> won world championship in short. I can't agree. Should I disagree and say, no, I think you hit very far compared to my grandmother. I mean, I can't do that either. No. Should I use sense of humor? Should I hug him? Should I kick him? My job as a coach. Uh-huh. Get him on the bus yeah, and get him to improve, to mm-hmm. excel, to succeed. How do I do it? He needs glasses from outside. Yeah. Exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Because he has been inside. If we do right. some guessing work here, he have not succeeded in four years. What has he been focusing in the not profound model? 
on the problems. Probably problems yeah. for a long time. Yeah. He has had the same problem for four years. Do you think he likes procedure option? He's a very procedural person. Mm -hmm. So what is his benefit strength when he's succeeding is that he can do it over and over again. Yeah. But as soon as that doesn't work, then, he's, then it becomes his weakness because he right. continues to do it. Mm -hmm. so what should I do as a coach? Well, I have to kick him out of the problems, get him into what? To the resources, new action to know what he wants. Okay. What I do, I use the ice cream boomerang to repeat his problem. I start there, bus stop. I go to where he is. Uh -huh. So I say, I hear you say, you yeah. hit short. Who hits mm -hmm. fall? Listen now, I'm changing the words. Who? Someone else. Right. It's far. That's the outcome. So in uh -huh. one question, I move him to the resources uh -huh. and outcome. So he looks at me and says, who hits far? And I say, yeah. And he goes, Tiger Woods. Then I say another ice cream boomerang. I know you're not Tiger Woods, but if you were, and then I go to this because he's good, how right. would you do it? Yeah. Then his body language responded. Father is 198. He's pretty tall. Yeah. Tiger is not that tall. He stands very rejected. Uh-huh. Father slumps with his shoulders. So when I say, I know you're not Tiger Woods, but if you were, how would you hit it? That goes so fast. He doesn't have time to think. So he stands like this and he says, if I were Tiger Woods, if I were Tiger Woods, I would hit it like this. And he stands much more erected, much more tall. And the ball goes, 20 yards further. And he's looking like he couldn't believe it. And then he goes back to me and says, but that's not me. <laughs> and, then, and then he started to laugh. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And he played a tournament and came in fifth place. Ooh. He had performed for four years. How did he do it? He broke the glass ceiling by asking a question. Yeah. See someone else than himself, doing it in a different way, imitating that, and perform as if. And here I actually st stole, I went through Disney seminar management and leadership. And he did something called storyboarding. So when he did his, his cartoon movies, yeah. what he's doing actually is that he had one still picture here in the outcome, uh -huh. how the movie should finish happily yeah. ever after. And then you have one, you know, picture here where to start. Yes. Usually if you look to this small light, I'm thinking more and more, it's like an epic thing. It's like a story because... Oh, the young prince, you know, or the young guy, poor guy, he sees the princess here. And he yeah. says, yeah, that is what I want. So he starts the journey. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, bam, he, he, he hits a dragon that bites his ass off, you know. <laughs> yeah. He says, boy, it hurts. So what happens? He meets a Jedi or a wizard that helps him sharpen your sword. And then he meets right. the dragon again, gets beaten. The mystical Jedi say, you have to look within your own, find the force. The force right. is good. <laughs> and then we start and happily after. And here yeah. we are. It's like it. So here you go back to the resources. Yeah. How do I do it? Well, yes. short, you use yourself. If I ask what movie are you in right now in your life? Are you in a romantic movie or in a horror movie or are you in your documentary? Action. What is your role? Are you the, the side guy or are you the main character? Right, right. Are your lines? Do you like your lines? Who wrote them? In other words, we are like a movie. And if you are the producer of the movie, you have to have two, uh, two roles. 
Mm-hmm. What I call the director. That's right. the guy or girl behind the camera. Yeah. That means when, for instance, let's say I'm going to give a presentation and I have never done that before. Yeah. And you say, Shell, can you do this presentation? I, you know, my handyman goes down. Have I done the presentation before? Right. No, here it's empty, you know, totally empty, which means it's scary for me. Yes. I want to see bad stuff coming up. <laughs> yeah. Here, you know. Right. Yeah. So what happens now? How can I then prepare for something that I have never done or improve something that I'm doing good, but I want to be great? Mm-hmm. I do my movie director uh, using my daydreamer. I call this daydreamer and handle okay. The yep. daydreamer is when I see something in my fantasy. Uh-huh. I see myself giving a presentation from the eyes of a director. That means I see it from outside. Yes. That means I, in my fantasy, see Shell giving a presentation. Yep. Then I hear Shell maybe him give the presentation. When that looks the way I want to, yeah. if it comes up and people are throwing tomatoes in my movie, yeah. then I say, stop. Retake and I Cut. do it until yeah. it looks like I want. Uh-huh. Then I go to the second step. That's yeah. the actor. Then I move inside of the shell I have already seen from outside. Yeah. And I give the presentation I just heard. I it doesn't have to be the every detail. It can yeah. be the outcome. Yeah. And some of the main steps. Mm. And then now. You actually created, and that was a neuroscientist over 35 years ago in Sweden. He said, what happens if you, for instance, break your arm? Uh-huh. Is that going to create what he called a memory mark physically in the brain? Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And the second question he had was that if we do it mentally, I fantasize breaking my arm. Is that also going to create the memory mark? And uh, lo and behold, he got yes on both. Huh. Uh, so that means you, if you fantasize giving a seminar or sales for that matter or closing a sale, but you, it doesn't, it's not enough just to see you closing it. You need to see the, the main, main step. Yeah, yeah. And then what you do, you actually created what he called a memory mark of the future. And I think that's a nice paradox, a yeah. memory of the future. Yeah, that is nice. Start with the 5% you have, you start to deposit pluses mm-hmm. that comes after a while, a self-fulfilling prophecy. And of course, after three years, the golf girls on the Swedish ladies team became the best in the world. And I'm only telling you stories when I succeed. (laughs) At the end of my interview with Keith Rosen on sales coaching, Keith said something that really resonated with me. He said that most sales managers ask themselves the wrong questions. They ask themselves, what can I do to hold my people accountable? How can I motivate my people? And he said, it's the wrong questions because people believe what they say, but they resist what they hear. So instead of asking themselves these questions and struggling with those challenging conversations they might have, he recommended asking these two questions. First one being, how can I be your accountability partner in a way that will sound supportive and not negative or like I'm micromanaging you? And the second question was, how do you want me to follow up with you if you don't honor the commitments you've made? Those two questions are magic, right? Because you are now providing your coachee with the power 
of getting your help and you will be able to provide value and there won't be any arguments about how to hold them accountable because they have told you how. Very, very good interview. Check out Keith Rosen's work online, his books, his all the work he's doing. And of course, listen to these clips. Uh, well, I could tell you uh, when it's too late, and that's typically when uh, the companies or the salesperson or the sales manager is at a point where they're stuck or they're they're hitting the wall with something and they're not able to move forward. Uh, they've exhausted all their internal resources. And then finally, they're thinking, wow, maybe I should go out and, and reach out and get an expert. Uh, yeah. You see, by then it's too late. So the question is, when do people need a coach? Today, right now. <laughs> Okay, uh, especially uh, with all the uncertainty and and uh, fear, as you were mentioning before, uh, people need more than ever to have that unconditional partner in their corner supporting them uh, throughout throughout this process. And uh, unfortunately, not only are salespeople not getting it from their manager, but we can't blame the manager also because they're not getting it from their boss. Sixty eight percent of salespeople miss their goals. Now it's up to about 78 to 80%. And the reason why is because while every organization is changing the way they buy, companies are not changing the way they sell. As a matter of fact, uh, it, I think the statistic was, again, about, about 74% of companies have changed the way they buy and go through procurement. Yeah. But only 17% of organizations and sales organizations have, have adopted to the new landscape and change their sales process. The greatest obstacle that, that gets salespeople, uh, uh, it, you know, sabotage or prevents them from uh, reaching the next level of success, uh, unfortunately, it's the manager. You know, you're in my office here is my happy place as well. You know, we've never had the opportunity to have so much visibility in people's homes before. And, you know, when you look at the managers, unfortunately, uh, this further um, permeates the result-driven KPI metrics-obsessed culture uh -huh. that every organization struggles with. This is a global epidemic. I would challenge any company to say that, oh, come on, you're not, you're not a result-driven culture. You're really process-driven and people-driven. There's a reason why less than 1% of all companies have a true coaching culture. So now you compound the, the drive for the results, the drive to hit their quota, yeah. With the additional fear, with all the uncertainty in the marketplace, mm -hmm. they're not getting the support that they need and pushing harder and doing more of the wrong thing faster is not going to get you to your goal. So, you know, how do you know when you're coaching? You know, you're coaching when you're A, you're having fun again at your job. I always tell managers, we have the same job. The evolution of sales training is not more sales training. Okay, right. the evolution of sales training, I've been saying this for 15 years. Now it's now it's not the evolution. It's here is if you're not even training your salespeople uh -huh. how to become great coaches so they can coach their customers to succeed, yep. you're you're already behind. You're already behind. Top salesperson gets promoted to management. Yeah. Manager is not trained at all in coaching, or they went through a coaching workshop. Yeah. Manager knows how to sell mm -hmm. their salespeople come to them manager doesn't know how to coach but they sure know how to sell so what's the first thing out of their mouth hey you want to know what uh, i'd love to help you as a matter of fact i've been in this position before uh here's what worked for me so this will work for you as well right and what we just did is one of the most toxic things that managers do in sales coaching which is coach in their own 
image. I, to me, um, the best coaches model what's possible for others to achieve. And the exemplary world-class coaches, I believe you can't take someone where you haven't been yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, and, 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 you know, even though I say uh, coaching is the umbrella, um, yeah. mentoring is more about, okay, um, so you want to be where I am in my career? You want my position eventually? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, I, I will be happy to mentor you. I'll be your mentor. Mm-hmm. And it's more about uh, sharing advice um, where the mentee would come to their mentor and say, hey, this is where I am in my career. And this right. is my projection of where I want to be. What are your suggestions? You know, mm-hmm. how should I build my personal brand? Uh, what are things that I need to do to develop my skills and myself? That's more mentoring. And they're sharing, hey, this is what worked for me. And that's okay. And, and getting back to enrollment, it's about setting an intention and expectation. So if you're a salesperson and you're in your mind thinking, well, I love my manager, or maybe I don't love my manager. Right. Uh, yeah. I know I need them to support me, but I really love this other leader and I'd love for them to mentor me. That to me is a conversation that that salesperson needs to initiate and have that level of transparency right. with their manager and let them know, hey, you know, I'm not doing this because I don't trust you. I'm doing this because you share with me one perspective Mm -hmm. and they share with me a different one. And I learned so much from you. And I just want to make sure, you know, I'm doing my job as an employee to try to learn as much as I can to be successful. So now the manager doesn't feel like, wait, are you stepping over my shoes? Do you not think I'm a good manager? Because when intentions are unclear, people go to fear. Yeah. Yeah. Now the manager's like, oh, I get it now. you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things we have to be caught, we have to be careful about getting caught up too much in technology. Now, of course, you know, we couldn't do half the things we're doing now uh, right. remotely yeah. if we didn't have the, the technology. However, at the same time, uh, especially today, you know, trying to do more of the wrong things faster is not getting you close to your goal. And if you haven't changed your sales process over the last year, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're already setting your team up for failure. Yeah. So, you know, what I find is that, you know, it's it's this com- combination of the fear, the pressure to perform, as you said, the, re- the results looking to achieve. But here's the thing, George, mm-hmm. is that people need to understand that when it comes to coaching, you don't coach the result. Right. You coach the process, mm-hmm. which produces the result as a natural byproduct. Yeah. So yeah. managers can run around reminding their people about their goals uh, and they're thinking that they're inspiring them and holding them accountable. but Quite frankly, they're just being annoying because <laughs> their people know their goal. They feel their pressure. What yeah. they need is, hey, boss, help me create a process. Help me now. What is my success formula for prospecting? What is my new strategy presenting remotely? How do I now qualify prospects differently in a remote world? Yeah. You know, that's process. You coach process. You coach who, how, why. The yeah. result is the result. It's not going anywhere. Right. You know, you, you can't automate relationships. Yeah. You know, uh, every conversation I'm having with a, a, a new prospect or someone calling me looking for, you know, my sales leadership coaching, uh-huh. I should yeah. probably spend the first half hour just talking about personal stuff now. Yeah. Because that's what people want, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, yeah. and that's one thing you cannot automate. No, even though people try. Well, they certainly do. They certainly <laughs> do. Uh, I, I know you're under pressure here. Your salespeople are calling you. They're looking for your help. All right. We, we viscerally react and give the answer. And we know we can't do that. 
we can't scale dependency. Mm-hmm. So take a step back. Okay. This is your defining moment. Yeah. Rather than lead with an answer, just lead with a question. And here's the statement. Hey, George, thanks for coming to me. I appreciate it. And I'm, of course, I'm happy to share my ideas with you. However, you're much closer to this situation than I am. And I trust you and I trust your judgment. So what's your opinion on how to move forward and achieve the results you want? Right. I think that was less than a minute, right, George? I trust you. I trust your judgment. That builds engagement. That builds confidence. Then asking for their opinion, you're not asking for a solution. You're not asking for an answer. You're asking for an opinion. Coaching is a language. Yeah. They can't c- come to you and say, I don't know. Right. You don't know your opinion. Everyone mm-hmm. has an opinion. Okay. Yes. They're not judged. They're not right or wrong. But right. from there, and this is always the second question managers ask me is, okay, right. Keith, great. I asked that question and, and they come up with a, a really great solution and uh-huh. great. They act on it. But what happens if their solution isn't fully baked? Yeah. Well, real simple. Uh, you don't say, how long have you been doing this job? No, you'll kill trust right there. Yeah. What you do say is, hey, uh, George, you know what? I appreciate you sharing your ideas with me. Mm-hmm. How about we we take some time to walk through your ideas and solutions together uh, and make sure that it achieves the results that you want. Right. So now it becomes a collaboration, not an interrogation. Well, I mean, first of all, I'm confused. Uh, if you're not human, what are you? Uh, now, I know I, I'll be the first to raise my hand and say I'm a recovering perfectionist and control freak, which is why I get along with leaders so well. Uh, and by the way, I could point to every leader on this call and say, you guys are all perfectionist control freaks, so don't try to hide. And if you think that's not getting in the way of your coaching, you're wrong. You're either trying to be perfect or you're trying to be human. Choose. Okay. And right now, the dominant sales and leadership strategy is care. Okay. If you're not demonstrating that, you're not giving your people and your customers what you need. Managers are asking themselves the wrong questions. Managers will continually ask themselves, what do I need to do to hold my people accountable? What do I need to do to motivate them? What do I need to do to inspire them to go above and beyond what they've done today? Um, but I don't want to give them too much rope to hang themselves, but I also don't want to micromanage them. So the managers sit there struggling, uh, with how to hold people accountable. And as I said before, Mr. or Mrs. Manager, you're asking the wrong person, ask your people, and I'll give you two simple questions where you are now empowering people to hold themselves accountable. All right. So now you're never the bad guy. Here we are, George. Here we go. Um, Mr. or Mrs. Uh, uh, direct report, how can I hold you accountable or how can I be your accountability partner uh-huh. in a way that will sound supportive and not negative or feel like I'm micromanaging you? Okay. Second nice. question, Mr. or Mrs. Direct report, how do you want me to follow up with you if you don't honor the commitments you make? How would you like me to bring this up? Those are two things that managers struggle with every day, hours, they anguish over how to do this. It's going to be such a difficult conversation. Yeah. Not if you're coaching them because people believe what they say, but resist what they hear. They set the rules. They own it. You're just supporting them. And now I want to know, was this helpful to you? Did you like the topics? Did you learn anything new? 
Did you think the topics were valuable in themselves? How about the interview format? Did you appreciate how we first went outside of the sales base and then talked to a sales expert? I really want to know how you like this format and the, the topics. Uh, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or send me an email, drop me a note on Twitter, whatever you like best, and let me know what you think. Thank you. See you soon.